This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, welcome back. It is episode number two of the Sweaters Forever podcast, hosted by myself, Shippy of the Ben and Skin Show, right here on 105.3 The Fan, and my co-host, the Hockey Hawk, Gavin Spittle, at GJ Spittle on Twitter. Gavin, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. I can't believe they allowed us to do another one. I know. I really thought uh, after the first one went, uh, I mean, actually, we got a lot of good reactions. <laughs> we did. We did. One. Yeah. Yeah. Stick tap to all the people that downloaded and listened. Really appreciate yeah. that. We, we're, we're having a blast doing it. It's uh, it's good to uh, talk hockey again with you once again, as we will do weekly here um, on 105.3 The Fan. And it's also nice that our Dallas Stars, you know, we're, we're obviously a little more uh, locally, you, you know, Covering the Dallas Stars just because we are based out of Dallas, yeah. but you know they picked up a couple big wins. You know since we last recorded an episode, they also dropped uh, two games since we t- since we spoke. Um, after that, really really disappointing Buffalo Sabers showing that uh, the Dallas Stars put out there, and you know I I kind of got to give us I give ourselves a little stick tap because I think that some of the things that we pointed out in our first episode. Um, Really showed to provide a spark for the Dallas Stars. One being the uh, return of Corey Perry um, yeah. back to the ice. You know, since then it's really shown that the Rope Hens, Jamie Benn, and Corey Perry line seems to really be um, a nice spark for the for the for the Stars anytime they're out on the ice. So we could probably say that Jim Montgomery might have been on the hot seat because anytime you have a slow start with great expectations, yeah. any coach is on the hot seat. But that doesn't mean Jim Nill or Tom Gillardi was going to pull the trigger. Sure. But some of the moves that Monty has made have paid, you know, uh, really good dividends so far. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that Hints, Ben, and Corey Perry line. And I've actually seen since Corey Perry has entered the lineup, kind of a revival of Jamie Benn. Yeah. And that's what I really, really like. I don't think he has the pressure uh, on that line. And mm-hmm. I also think Corey Perry does those little things. Watching the game last night, I mean, he's he's not the fastest skater on the ice. He's not the biggest guy on the ice. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have the best stick on the ice as far as talent. 
Yeah. But the puck always finds him and he's always in that right spot. And one of the things that we have to understand about hockey and the NHL is just proper spacing, similar to, you know, being on a pitch in soccer or slash football, mm-hmm. you know, is that proper spacing. And I think Corey Perry being in those right spots and knowing his defensive assignments has allowed Jamie Hitben just to play hockey. And then you have Rope Hints going down the ice really fast. And Hintz is kind of that playmaker. And, mm-hmm. you know, Rope was more of a natural senator, a center coming through the ranks. Mm-hmm. And that's what he grew up playing. So I think it fits him. I was really excited that Montgomery said, this is my first line. These guys are going out. And one of the things that you pointed out on the last episode was that the Stars didn't have that guy to mix it up. The Antoine Roussel role. Yeah. And I think, like, Corey Perry being on that line with Jamie Benn, I think that alleviates... Jamie feeling like he needs to be that guy on the line. Like right. he can kind of uh let Corey Perry take that role and like you said, just let Jamie Ben play hockey. Yeah. And I think that that's huge. And just talking about, you know, Corey Perry being in the right place, right time, just think about that goal that he scored against the Flyers, that pretty backhand. It was really nice. He was right there where the puck just kind of came to him. He Skates across the middle. He goes against the grain with the backhand and bam, just scores a goal. It's almost like he's in slow motion. Yeah. It, he he just understands the game. He's a wily veteran mm-hmm. and knows how to go into the corners, wins puck battles. You know, we talked about Joe Pavelski kind of looking like Mike Ribeiro. That's a similar like Mike, Mike Ribeiro looked like he was playing yeah. in slow motion at all yeah. times. And yeah. it wasn't like, oh, he's too slow to be on the ice or he doesn't fit in. It's just the way that he moved. And I saw this a lot with, you know, as weird as it is to bring up, but Julius Honka, the way that he would kind of move slowly through the ice, but he could pick it up when he needs to. Just very, very just calculated skating from Corey Perry. And it's, yeah. you know, it, 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 you could tell he's moving with a purpose. You know, right. sometimes with different players you've seen, like Val Nachushkin, when I would watch him skate, he didn't look, like he just looked slow to me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he yeah. just looked slow, <laughs> you know, and good for him getting, you know, with the Colorado Avalanche who have been on a, you know, a nice, really, really nice yeah. tear to start the season. But you know, I, know, I hate to take shots at him, but I, that's he looked slow to me on the ice in Dallas. Well, he even admitted that he wasn't trying as hard yeah. as he probably could have. But he needed that change. Of yeah, and then we add what Corey Perry brings to the room. Yeah, and someone hit me up on Twitter, and I mentioned Corey Perry, and you know, they talked about you know basically in not so nice words that Corey Perry's a bad guy, and my response was you don't play that many years for one team in Anaheim and you're mm-hmm. a really bad guy. Right. They would have got rid of him. Hockey Think probably... Think about like Sean Avery. Yeah, exactly. Sean Ho- Avery didn't stick with any team for a long time because he was a bad guy. <laughs> Hockey probably more than any other sport really controls the way the room is. Mm-hmm. And if you're a bad egg in the room... It's a quick exit because these guys spend so much time together. Right. And, you know, I mean, that's one of the things that I think this Stars team needed that you mentioned is that leadership role as mm-hmm. well. And yeah. would, we talked about it, would Pavelski uh, provide that leadership role eventually? He was kind of in the background. Would he step up? But, you know, now you add another leader into the room because, you know, when you're not playing, granted, you're traveling with the team, you're skating with the team, but you're really not a part of the team. Mm-hmm. You are, but, you know, being a healthy scratch and skating in the morning, you know, opposite of what the players are doing. But, you know, once he got into those, you know, the few practices that they had, 
Um, you know, it really looked like he had been here since training camp. And that's another thing. We're talking about a guy that missed the entire training camp yeah. with a new team, gets thrown in. Oh, yeah. Out of necessity. Teams, yeah, out of necessity against teams like the Pittsburgh Penguins. Right. And, and, and thrives. And he was, you know, we speculated, hey, he's going to be ready on Friday. He was ready for the Blue Jackets game. Yeah. He was ready on Wednesday, two days earlier than anybody had really speculated. Right. Now we move to Thursday, and it's going to be so fascinating because he plays for the first time mm-hmm. against the team that he's played his whole career with in, in, in the Ducks. And I'm really glad that he gets to have that first matchup on home ice in yeah. Dallas. Because yeah. I think, I mean, I don't think that Corey Perry is the type that would really be rattled one way or another. I think that, you know, I think that if the game was in Anaheim, I think he would he would really embrace that opportunity and, you know, look for that any sort of edge he could, you know, but it would be interesting to see, and I can't wait to see what kind of ovation or, or booing he gets when he returns to Anaheim. But I think to face, you know, your former team at home does make things a little bit easier on him um, as he'll see, you know, Ryan Getzlaff yeah. on the other side of the ice for the first time. Yeah, the pregame skate will be fun. It will. I yeah. want, I'm going to be interested to see if if there's any, like, dapping up at center ice or if, you know, Corey Perry is going to do the Corey Perry thing and play that villain role. I don't know. think he will. I think there'll be tons of dapping. I think. You know, he deserves that. Yeah, I think in Anaheim he'll get a standing ovation. He should. I think there'll be a huge montage on the screen about his career. Good. I mean, we're also talking about an Olympic gold medalist right? for Team Canada. So mm-hmm. you add all those up, you know, you can't be in the room for a gold medal. You can't play for so many years, as I, as I mentioned, with Anaheim and not be a good room guy. So sure. I'm excited what he's brought to the table. And, and once again, he provides spacing on that line. And just watching that line the other night against Philadelphia, and then you have to understand is coming off a long road trip, that first game coming off a road trip is a worrisome game. That's a letdown game. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to be let down, not to mention you have a team that has struggled thus far that's rebuilding in Ottawa. That actually has some really good talent on the way up. They're going to be good in a few years. And as we mentioned, there's no cakewalk in the no. NHL, especially when you got off to the start that the Stars did. Right, exactly. But I thought the Stars had one of their better first periods last night. I did too. Um, a couple things. I thought you know they might have made some mistakes in their own zone, but defensively, I thought that was their best all-around shutdown game. I agree. I, I felt as though the forwards were back-checking. I felt as though they were kind of clogging things up at center ice. They were winning puck battles. They were going in hard into the corner. They got chippy with Lindell going with a hip check in the third period. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And absolutely. you saw the guys kind of rally around that. They're, they needed that edge, that kind of grit added to their game, and I think just that presence of Corey Perry yeah. has really brought that back to the stuff. And we saw that with Gurionov on Saturday yeah. night against Philadelphia, throwing the old Craig Ludwig hip check. Yes. You yeah. know, and a successful one at that. Yeah. So... You know, it's it's nice to see those things because now they're developing their edge. Maybe it was the long road trip mm-hmm. that threw them off to start the year. However, they are certainly behind the eight ball. Someone asked me last night on Twitter, you know, do you think they're going to make the playoffs? Um, it's too early to tell. Yeah. The good news is they got this through early. The bad news is is that the Central Division is tough, yeah. and it's off to a great start. So they do have a lot of catching up. But this is a big week for Stars fans because, you know, you had Ottawa, 
And that was a win. You had Philadelphia, which is, you know, kind of struggling a little bit. Mm -hmm. So you got past those teams. But let's look at the upcoming upcoming schedule. You're playing a red-hot top 10 team coming in Thursday night in the Anaheim Ducks. Then you're playing the Pittsburgh Penguins on Saturday night. And then you have uh, Minnesota, and you start to play your division, I believe. So... Uh, Let's see. Yeah, we got uh, Penguins, the Wild. Then you go to Colorado for the Avalanche, right? And then the Canadians. Yeah. So, so the Wild, you should be able to beat. They're towards the bottom of the Central, but they always play the Stars tough. But Avalanche, for me, they're the best in the league. Canadians, and then Avalanche, and then Winnipeg. So. That's what happens when you get behind. You have right. to win some of these games. So it'll be interesting because the Stars played really good opponents to start the year. Mm-hmm. I thought they should have won in Columbus. I agree. But they, that that said, now you know there are some winnable games, and you've won those games in Philadelphia, and then you know on last night against Ottawa. But now you're going to start playing those good teams again, right? And is that confidence there where you can play with the big boys, right? And and you know, one thing that we we talked about after the Sabres game was, wow, I didn't even find anything that provided hope for me that the Stars could turn this thing around anytime soon. But like you mentioned, that Blue Jackets game, I agree that they should have won that hockey game. And yeah. they looked much better in that game. They looked much better against the Penguins. Um, you know, obviously that was a 4-2 final, but there was an empty netter at the end of the game. And that kind of, you know... It made the score look worse than it was. I I thought I was very impressed with how they bounced back after one of the worst efforts I had seen and you know from the Dallas Stars in a long time. And another thing that you know I think that we need to give ourselves a stick tap for is bringing up bringing Dennis Garyanov back. Yeah, you know he it's clear like you just brought up the hip check that he threw you know against the in the Flyers game. It's clear that he's providing that spark that that speed that that this Dallas Stars team seem to be missing. Um, when you, you know, we were talking about Corey Perry, you know, he doesn't look fast on the ice. Joe Pavelski hasn't looked fast on the ice. But if you have those guys on the ice with them, that's not, that they don't need to. Right, right. And once again, credit Jim Montgomery. Last night, he moved Dennis Gurionov onto the second line power play unit mm-hmm. with Rope Hints. Yeah. I thought they looked better than the first unit. I agree. I love the speed. And they broke out of their own zone when they had the man advantage. And Ottawa couldn't catch up, so they interfered with Rope Hints, which caused the five-on-three. Yep. That was caused by the speed of Dennis Gurionov and Rope Hints. And that's what they bring to the lineup. Personally, I hope he continues to play this way because I think Dennis Gurionov is better suited as a second-line player, uh, a sniper, and hopefully he'll get his scoring confidence up. I definitely loved how he's shooting the puck. And, you know, another small example that doesn't show up, well, I guess it would in the stat sheet because Tyler Sagan gets an assist. Last night, um, you know, they're cycling the puck around. Sagan takes a wrist shot. Mm -hmm. But it was where the wrist shot was. It was low to the pad. Get a rebound. Get a rebound. Jamie Benn tries to get it in because they're in front of the net. You know, can't get it in, but there's Joe Pavelski to get it in. Right. That was caused by Tyler Sagan's shot. Right. And I felt as though at times the stars were pressing to make that perfect pass mm-hmm. when at times it's like 
Agreed. Just just make it messy in front of the net. Especially when you have Jamie Benn and Joe Pavelski on the ice. Yeah. Where that's where they thrive. Yeah. Joe Pavelski is at his best in front of the net, tipping pucks, getting those rebounds, and just putting it back in. Corey Perry is another player who's very, very good at that around the net. And it was interesting because the score wasn't out of reach at that point. And when Pavelski scored, there wasn't a big celebration. Mm-hmm. It was almost like, finally. Yeah. Like, he seemed mad at what was going on with his start. Well, a player of that stature, you know, I would hope so. You yeah. know, I would hope that he would, you know, be frustrated. I don't want him frustrated to the point where, you know, he's, you know, inside his own head and like really letting it get to him. But at the same time, I do want to see that from him. And I, I know that these guys, you know, Joe Pavelski with a storied career like he he's had, he does not want to get off to these bad starts. Like, you know that's been eating at him. And yeah. you could tell, like you were saying, with that celebration or the the lack thereof, you know, with the celebration, that um, that it, it, it was a very, just almost like a sigh of relief or just like he could exhale at that point. And like, all right, now you got one against the Senators. Let's look for one against the Ducks or get an assist or or just be around the net. And like you were saying, let's get those shots on the net, shoot them low. So you look for those uh, juicy rebounds where guys like Joe Pavelski and Jamie Benn can really excel. Yeah, I was watching Hockey After Hours on Saturday night, uh, part of the Hockey Night in Canada broadcast, mm-hmm. and uh, they were interviewing Drew Doughty. And they were asking him about his current rivalry with Kachuk of the Calgary Flames. Mm-hmm. And he said, actually, I have it with most teams. I think he forgot that Corey Perry was with the Stars. But they're like, name a couple. And, you know, he was naming Joe Thornton in San Jose. He goes, Perry with Anaheim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I knew what he was getting at. And that's the great thing. The fact that Drew Doughty looks forward to playing Corey Perry and considers that a rivalry, that's what you want on the you don't want another NHL team coming in and not thinking of your players. Right. Not being like, oh man. You know, you want them coming in either thinking of themselves, high scoring team, or God, I gotta take on Jamie Ben tonight. Or yeah. this is gonna be you know what? I'm gonna have bruises in the morning after this game. Well, you know, get into their head. Right. And when we uh when we had Ben Bishop on, you know, the Ben and Skin show right before the season started, um Corey Perry was brought up, you know, they they asked him, Hey, who are some of the guys you hate the most in the league? And and I think it was Ben brought up with like, What's it like in a you know, what were the battles like with Corey Perry? And you know, he didn't go too much into detail, but he's like Man, we had some really, really good battles. Yeah. And it's a, it's a guy like Ryan Reeves, like yeah. who I don't know if you saw the fight that he had against oh, the Ottawa yeah. Senators where he stopped he stopped the punch with his fist and yeah. like I mean the the showmanship beforehand, just the confidence, all that stuff matters with these with these hockey teams. And yeah. like you're talking about the dressing room, the locker room. Right. That is where, you know, you had a really good tweet um the other day. I saw that you're you brought up Corey Perry and a lot of the things that he does that won't show up on a stat sheet, yeah. but that are crucial for a winning hockey team. Absolutely. And that just plays right into that. Can you expand kind of some of the things that you were talking about in that tweet? Yeah, I think I think one of the things he brings to the table, as I just mentioned, is the spacing. And watching Corey Perry and where he was on the ice and knowing where he needed to be is that proper spacing. Because if we look at the stars at the beginning of the year, uh, if they were shorthanded or on even strength, they sometimes sent two, three guys into the corner after a puck. Mm -hmm. Well, that's great, but you better win that puck battle. Because as we noticed, I'm I'm trying to think of the the game. 
but basically, it came out to the slot for a wide open shot because Radulov had been cheating down. Yeah. And, and that's where I talk about that spacing and knowing your role. As much as you want to go get that puck, you got to keep your eye on that forward because he's edging down for that one timer. And I felt like I saw a lot more defensive responsibility against the Senators. Yes. And like, uh, that was something that was a common theme throughout the beginning of the season was all these wide-open shots from these really, really good scoring areas. And more often than not, it seems like Ben Bishop or Anton Hudobin were able to bail out the Stars. I mean, obviously, they were. some of them went in because they were just so, such great scoring chances, but and maybe it's because it's the Senators, but I really felt like they were able to limit those chances. And maybe that's just... Maybe they needed a game like against the Senators to kind of reestablish that defensive prowess and that, you know, getting in lanes, keeping the shots coming from the boards, from the outside, where it's really an easy save for whichever netminder is in net. Yeah, I felt as though last night, more than probably for the rest of the season thus far, I felt as though the Stars had their easiest um, time getting out of the defensive zone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's important. Because I think teams, the book on the Dallas Stars is pressure, pressure, pressure. Mm-hmm. Put pressure, especially on make John Klingberg. Make yeah. it turn it over. Four check deep. Exhaust those forwards. So offensively, they basically are exhausted need to get off the ice. Because their other forwards are streaking down the ice. So if you can four check well against the Dallas Stars, you're probably going to have some success. Heck, if you four check well against anybody, you're going to have some success. That was one of the other things the Stars did a pretty good job last night of, is four checking. You know, they got in, they caused, you know, some issues. They drew some penalties mm-hmm. uh, via a high stick or interference or tripping. Um, so they were aggressive in the Ottawa zone. And I really like to see that. I know the score was two to one, mm-hmm. uh, but that score easily could have been four, five, maybe even six, one. It definitely felt like it. Sh- they should have won by more than that yeah. one goal margin. Obviously, they... The Senators didn't score until the final minute of the yeah. game and made things kind of interesting there. But um, I agree with what uh, everything you're saying there. I want to take a second, too, to talk about, you know, we, we've mentioned him so many times. He was really the only bright bright spot. But six goals in 11 games for Rope Hintz. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're... He could legitimately put up a 40-goal season. Yeah, he, he, he could. His demeanor on the ice is terrific. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of those guys that seems to the game has slowed down for him. One thing that I saw toward the playoffs last year um, was, you know, obviously he was scoring in his speed. This year I'm seeing playmaking ability. Yeah. To the point where he's on the ice and you see it in that second power play unit, I almost feel as though the power play is working through him. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing. When you have a playmaking forward like that, that can score, that has speed. Uh, so I, it's really good. I mean, his game, his all-around game is very, very good. He's been good from the face-off circle when he does take some face-offs. That's something he obviously needs to work uh, mm-hmm. with. But I just feel as though his confidence is so good right now. And one of the things that I was really encouraged by is a lot of these goals early on have been, you know, him streaking through the slot or just, you know, taking a shot from the one of the face-off dots. I was really encouraged by that goal that he had, I believe, against the Flyers where it was around the net where he just followed up his own shot. Kind of yeah. like a grittier goal, you know? And I think that that's where you've seen that growth. Yeah. Is a lot of his goals last season, it seemed... 
you know, it was either a breakaway or a two-on-one or things that, you know, that his speed caused. And obviously his speed is never, it's not going to go away. He was still the fastest player on the ice in the playoffs and he had a broken foot. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I, I, I'm really encouraged by seeing those, some of those grittier goals from Rope Hintz, where it's not just where he's got to become coming streaking and, and you know get a wrist shot on net that uh, just finds the back. I think we forget that he made the team to start last year, mm-hmm. and because we saw in preseason, now we're seeing a better version now. But I think it takes time to develop. Uh, it's a fast, complicated game, and while you can watch the Texas Stars, and that's a great brand of hockey. The AHL, to me, is very close to the NHL, but it's not the NHL. Mm -hmm. And that's why you see a lot of players go up and down. They all can basically play at the NHL level, in my opinion. Um, But at the same time, can they maintain it on a consistent level? And that was the case for Rope Hintz and the case for Denis Gurionov. Now, you mentioned uh, earlier Radulov, Monty moving him down to the third line. What are your thoughts on... You know, what are your thoughts on that? And, you know, because before it was, you know, Pavelski, I can't remember what game, but he started the game on the third line, I yeah. believe, against the Blue Jackets. Right. Um, I, I love it. I kind of like having one of those veteran players. Obviously, you don't want to break up Ben Hence and, and uh, Perry right now, but between Pavelski or Radulov, I love having one of those guys on your third line. I, it, it reminds me of the Pittsburgh Penguins when they had Phil Kessel, and they had put Phil Kessel on that third line. Right, yeah. And it's like... Not only do you have to worry about the the third line's ability to check, and you know you got Radic Fox on that line, who's um, who's a really really good defensive center. Um, I've had I remember a couple seasons ago somebody uh, compared him to me to uh, Kopitar, yeah. Anze Kopitar, and I thought that that was a really good comparison. Obviously, he's not the quality player that right. Kopitar is yet, but defensively and just like the way that his game is structured is very similar, and I like that. I like having. Either a Pavelski, I think Radulov probably makes more sense on that line just because of his hustle and, you know, his, I mean, that dude is up and down the ice. I don't know how he has energy (laughs) for an entire, you know, for an entire NHL game, just the way that that he approaches it and the way that he really plays 110% on the ice. I think that was Coach Montgomery's way of saying, you got to earn these top two lines. If you want to be in the top two lines of this team, you have to earn it. Mm-hmm. I don't care if your name's Alexander Radulov or earlier this season, Jamie Benn was put on the third yes. line. As you mentioned, Pavelski was on the third line. The third line's not a bad line. It gets a lot of ice time. Right. But it's a workmanlike line. Right. And Alexander Radulov can be that player. First two years, I thought, you know, was a bargain for the contract that we got. To me, he overperformed. Uh, to start this year, uh, I think think he seems a little bit slower it's been, and it's the been penalties yeah the, the penalties the, the oh. penalties and they're not penalties involved in the play and i think that's the most disappointing aspect they're penalties as far as catching up uh trying to catch up to a player and use your stick to kind of hook them or a tripping penalty so away from the play penalties is is frustrating, and I, I think that got to Monty and the coaching staff and obviously not scoring um, like we'd like to see out of Alexander Radulov. And so now, you know, it's a, hey, prove it, 
You're on a good line still. And I also think it's an opportunity with Jason Dickinson back. Yes. Dickinson's a hustler. And once again, we talk about needing guys on those lines to create space and opportunity and win in the corners and get the other team frustrated. I don't think a lot of people realize how big of a loss that was when they lost Dickinson for that time. And Blake Como was another big loss, yeah. too. Those are... You know, the, they're parts. They, they're good parts. Exactly. They're winning pieces. Those yeah. are those are two of your best penalty killers. Yeah. And you know, the penalty kill struggled for a while while they were out. It makes a lot of sense. Those yeah. are two of your best penalty killers. I mean, you rarely hear the name Cogliano. Yeah. <laughs> um, doesn't score a lot, but you know, he's a little guy on the ice, but I th- saw him throwing his weight around last night. He's doing what's necessary. I mean, you saw Tyler Sagan throw his weight around. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Absolutely. And we need to talk about the fourth line in that the fourth line is starting to cause some problems. Mm -hmm. And that's a great thing. Yes. When the fourth line's out there and the fourth line isn't sitting in their defensive zone and they're tiring out, that's a big plus when you think of that here comes the first and second line. Mm -hmm. Or they're getting you know face-off tie-ups. So that you can bring the first line out and you can pair uh, Haskinen and Klingberg on the point for that one face-off draw. So that fourth line is extremely important to the offensive success just as well as the defensive success of the team. And I believe last on the last episode you brought up the St. Louis Blues last year and how crucial their fourth line was in their Stanley Cup run. I mean, you look at the Bruins and the Blues, and they're all about third and fourth lines. Oh, and you brought up uh, Milan Lucic as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you brought up Ryan Reeves. That's a perfect example. It's like, you know, at times on the power play, you're going to see Ryan Reeves on on the power play. And, you know, I mean, the thing about Reeves that I don't want to get on a Ryan Reeves rant right. because I love the guy. Yeah. And, you know, everyone, I hate the term goon that's used yeah. because the, that's, what they, that's yeah. what they call Corey Perry. Yeah. Goon's out of the NHL. Yeah. If you can't score and you can't put points up, I mean, Ryan Reeves had over 20 points last year. Yeah. Is not the most penalized player in the NHL. Right. So, I mean, it's not like he takes cheap shots. It's just he's so big, so when he throws his weight around, yeah. it seems like a cheap shot. Right. But Ryan Reeves isn't out there to run people. He will run people if you mess with his team. Sure. And I think that's valuable. Ask Sidney Crosby when he played for the Pittsburgh Penguins yes. what he thought of Ryan Reeves. And the same thing can be said for Tom Wilson of the Capitals. These are guys that can score, can put up points. Tom Wilson is obviously... Uh, extremely talented in that area, but Tom Wilson also has another role on that team. Sure, and I would I would classify Tom Wilson more as a goon than I would Ryan Reeves. Yeah, I in would. terms of yeah. just cheap shots and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. The elbows um, are unnecessary. Yeah, and then there's you know Cadre uh, as well. You know those yeah. are those are two guys who do take cheap shots. Who yeah. You know, are out there trying to injure your best players. You right, know? right. But, and you, you look at a team that's struggling in Ottawa, and you look toward the end of the game last night, and uh, toward the middle of the third period, you saw the name Kachuk on the sweater, mm-hmm. getting involved in some scrums yeah. and making things happen. That's his job. Right. I mean, you know, obviously he wants to score and everything like that, but he also wants to rile up his team. Sure. Get him going. And, and that's what a guy like Corey Perry does. One of, and that's what a guy like Ryan Reeves does. One of the most encouraging things for me coming out of last night's game against the Ottawa Senators as well was the shots. Dallas outshot the Senators 43-20. to 20. Yeah. I was getting, like you mentioned earlier, where they seemed like they were trying to go for that perfect pass. It was extremely frustrating during that early stretch of the season to watch some of the 
some of the shots that they were passing up. Yeah. You I know, mean, and they would be in quality areas. And it would be, I mean, I remember distinctly seeing Radulov a couple times go for this saucer pass over the defender who's laying down, like got his stick out, and it just gets blocked, and then boom, the puck goes the other way. Yeah, I was excited. I saw a slap shot for Fredoon last night. Yes. And I was like, that's good. It's, I-, I want that. I know a wrist shot is more controllable and can create the tip, but at the same time, it's like, uh, to me, a slap shot is a lost art, mm-hmm. and I don't think the stars use it enough. Jamie Alexiak has a very good slap shot, mm-hmm. you know, but if you look at some teams, their power play is centered around the one-time slap shot. You know, I mean, ours, you want Tyler Sagan taking that one-timer. So it was nice to see, you know, quality chances, which created rebounds, and they were around the net all night. So it wasn't one of those, I'm going to come down the right or left side, mm-hmm. throw a, a, a wrist shot so I can get the face off. No, it's like, hey, I'm going to throw a quality chance on, hopefully get the rebound and, you know, score. So it was... it. it, it I thought, even though it was two to one, I thought that was their most complete game. I know they played well in Philadelphia, um, and Philadelphia had a rush at one point during the game, but I just felt as though total control of the game was last night against Ottawa. Are you having? Uh, are you concerned at all with? Uh, and, and this happened in the Flyers game. Are you concerned at all with the early goals that Ben Bishop has been allowing, or just like the Stars in general? You know, you get, I mean, they came back and won 4-1, to one, but just, I think it was like 53 seconds in or something yeah. like that. Like, is there any, I mean, I feel like this has been something that you've seen from Ben Bishop and the Stars over the last couple of years. Yeah. Are you concerned at all about that? What, what do you attribute that to? Uh, well, I did tweet in the Philadelphia one. I mean, I was watching that game intently, and that was an amazing rush by the Flyers. It was. I mean, I just, I, I, I don't think any goalie stops that, sure. and Ben Bishop has to. I guess it's more of a team thing. Yeah, like it's yeah. just the approach, maybe just coming out flat-footed. Yeah, you know? yeah. Bishop had to be on the short side, so it left the other side wide open. It was a, you know, it was a great goal by the Flyers. I am not, I want Ben Bishop to cut him out, but I am not worried because to me, I know that Bishop and Hudobin a lot of times, it's going to be one or two goals the rest of the night. Right, right. I, I, I never get the feeling that either goaltender is going to let in four or five. Yeah. And, and if so, they do, it's probably because of a breakdown defensively from the stars where. Yeah. They can't, you know, they're just, they, they really have no chance. But I think you do bring up a good point in that the bigger picture is that it does cause, you know, mo- you have to rebuild your momentum and it gives the other team fresh legs, so to speak. If they get a, you know, if they get a goal that early in the game, they think this is our night. Right. Um, yeah, I, I guess for me, it's just more of the team, you know, aspect of it that, that concerns me that they're, that they would break down so Early and just digging a hole like that, especially when you've already dug such a big hole to start the season, just yeah. from a standings standpoint. I've also said about Ben Bishop that I think every goal that goes in looks easy because mm-hmm. he makes so many quality stops that because of his size and the position, I mean, one thing Ben Bishop doesn't get credit for is his positioning. And I think Anton Hudobin, the last four or five years, it started when he was in Carolina, then Boston, and now here, his positioning has improved dramatically. I covered Anton Hudobin for the Houston Arrows. Oh, and there were there were nights in Houston where Anton Hudobin is like the best player on the ice. Amazing. And then there were other nights where it's like, oh, not tonight. 
But I mean, his maturity as a goaltender is outstanding. I mean, I was wondering in Houston, is this guy an NHL caliber goalie? Because he couldn't make it with the Minnesota Wild. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he revived his career and he, he's been great. But the the positioning of Bishop makes a lot of saves where it looks normal, but a lot of goaltenders don't make that save. Yeah, because a lot of them aren't 6'7", you know? Right, it's like, exactly. It's just so easy for him. He just naturally takes up yeah. pretty much the entire net. Yeah, and I think, uh, me included, I try not to. I think we take our goalies for granted at times. Yeah, uh, let's not forget the Kari Lettinen days. Yes. You know? <laughs> yes. I mean, I, it's... Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, it's the best one-two punch in the NHL. I can't yeah. really think of. I know Boston's got Rask and Halak, mm-hmm. and that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's pretty solid. Uh, but I mean, you know, honestly, I I'd can't up, really. Yeah, I put I, up Bishop and Hudobin against pretty much anybody in the league. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you look at the scores. The Stars haven't scored, but we haven't really talked about. They're not getting blown out in any of these games, mm-hmm. and a lot of times they've had to rely on Bishop and Hudobin. I mean, the Penguins game, um, yeah, they lost, but I mean, actually, I thought Hudobin played really well in that game. And uh, we should just say, you know, th- thoughts and prayers to Ben Bishop and his, you yeah. know, with his house that was hit by the tornadoes here uh, locally in DFW. Also, Tyler Sagan's old home. Uh, which was also owned by Anthony Kim, which he had up for sale. Yeah, uh, was heavily damaged in the, in the uh, storm. Fortunately, you know neither of those guys or their families were affected um, by that. And you know, property and things like that, houses, those are all things that can be replaced. One of the perspectives that I thought of when Ben Bishop was on um, your show with Ben and Skin, he talked uh-huh. about his newborn. Yeah, and having a kid for the first time. So I think you know. They're still new to the Texas area, even though, you know, he went uh, to Frisco High School Mm -hmm. and played for uh, the Texas Tornado. But, you know, his wife's new to the area and here you are and you're getting hit by a tornado. So obviously you were in some kind of closet with a newborn. So that's going through your head and then you uh, get damage to your house and Tyler Sagan, the same thing. So for Tyler Sagan to have the game he had last night, you know, Mm -hmm. is a tribute to him and... I think, you know, Monty said the decision was already made not to play Bishop before that. Right. But I'm also glad because when you're a goaltender, you need that heightened sense of awareness. Sure. I know if I had damage to my house and I was in a closet like a lot of us were in DFW, mm-hmm. I don't know if that would be the top of my mind. I'd be thinking of my family at that point. Yeah. Well, fortunately, like we said, nothing uh, too serious, you know, happened to either of those or anybody. Guys. It's yeah. amazing, I mean, truly amazing. Especially we see some of the pictures of the Home Depot and things yeah. like that. They're just destroyed around here. Uh, before we move on to the NHL power rankings, is there anything else concerning the Dallas Stars that's on your mind uh, before we, you know, run through NBC Sports top ten, and then we'll get the Hockey Hawks top ten and see where they uh, <laughs> how they line up. I would love to see. Same old, same old. Um, I'm a big believer, and I know it's an anomaly, mm-hmm. but if you think of the Bergeron, uh, Marchant line, yeah, and, uh, you know, with Pasternak, and yeah. that's a line that's been together forever. I personally would love to see the third and fourth game mm-hmm. of Perry, Hintz, and Ben. You can't break that up. No, right I want to see... I want to see some solidity. I mm. want to see just, uh, you know, kind of the guys get used to each other, know their placement on the ice, know their areas, because I think what they're doing right now 
is not great, but it's getting really good. Sure. So it's still early. They have some tough games going up. I, I'm excited to see the further development. I'm a Dennis Gurionov guy. Me People too. know that. Yeah, I, I love him when he's on the ice. I focus on him. He's skating hard. And let's, like we said last week, let's put him in those yeah. heightened roles where, just like Rope Hints last year, you know, yeah, he had the chance. You know, you give him this opportunity, and they either ha- they they have the chance to seize it, and they don't have to worry about making a mistake and get yeah. benched for the rest of the game, and then sent down. I, I think that's the biggest thing: afraid of making a mistake. And I I don't think Monty's at the point now where he can afford to make no. him feel like that. It's clear the impact that he has on the ice, yeah. on this team. Yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, Saturday night, Jamie Alexiak dropping the gloves. Uh, Monty yeah. said after the game that you know he gives Alexiak a lot of credit for that, and I think it fired up the troops. And think about you know. On his first tour around here, a lot of people were frustrated with Jamie Alexiak not doing that. You know, yeah. being kind of afraid and just backing down from those types of situations. Yeah. And uh, it's clear that he's flipped that mentality. He, he, he makes some mistakes at times, but he's still kind of a young player, too. And, yeah. And as we mentioned last week on the podcast, these bigger guys take more time you to brought develop. Up Chara. Yeah, we brought up Charo. We brought up Tyler Myers. Uh, two quality defensemen now in the NHL. So, uh, you know, I think the defensive pairings are good right now. Uh, so I'm happy with that. Alexiak is 26. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I And actually, if you if you uh, just Google Alexiak age, his sister Penny actually pops oh, up first. Oh, absolutely. Olympic champion. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she is definitely the star of that family. And kudos to Jamie because he follows her during Olympic play. You know, he goes down yeah. and supports his sister. So it's a very athletic family. Uh, but I like the size on the ice, too. Yeah. So if it got rough, you know, there's a guy that can do that because... Uh, but I do like angry Jamie Ben, <laughs> you know, and last night when Kachuk was getting a little chippy, you know, there was Jamie Ben just following him around. So he's not doing anything, but he's just, it's almost like a, Hey, find me. Right. I'm the guy. Find me. Yeah. And that is just a calming influence to the rest of your team because it's almost like, Hey, captain's got our back. We've all been hard on Jamie Ben and rightfully so for not putting in the numbers. He had a post last night, but at the same time, the last two to three games, I'm really liking what I see out of Jamie Ben. He's looked a lot more comfortable with yeah. that line. It just seems like, you know, and th- and when you when you have so many, when you're bringing in p- players like Pavelski and Perry who need to take a little bit of adjusting and get comfortable. I mean, I I think that we we kind of took for granted thinking that Monty was going to have to take some time to figure out what what line combinations were going to work again you know yeah. and so and i think the secondary scoring helps in that if you're Jamie Ben in his mindset you're like with Tyler Sagan or Radulov, and every time you get on the ice it's like we have to do something yeah every power play we have to do something so now when you get other guys like Rope Hintz contributing and other guys scoring and Corey Perry added to the lineup, mm-hmm. now you have more weapons. And now all of a sudden it's like, I can just play my game because there's more depth on this team. Jason yeah. Dickinson, as you uh, mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, it's a guy that you, we don't talk a lot about, but you know, he's really good shorthanded. He's very good at going into the corners. He does have that scoring punch at times. Right. It's going to take him a while due to the injury to really, really get going. But that's another piece. Yeah. And, and so, so I'm I, I'm excited to see these next few games because I think both Anaheim and Pittsburgh will be true tests for this team. 
All right, let's go ahead and uh, now move on to the NHL power rankings. Yeah. We'll use the NBC Sports Top 10, Okay, and then we will compare it to the Hockey Hawk Gavin Spittle's Top 10. I have Top 5. Top 5, <laughs> and then we'll just see what NBC does We'll just does see what NBC does, yeah. So, uh, the, top, the number one team, according to the NBC Sports folks, the Colorado uh, Avalanche. Yeah. Which, tough to argue there. Tough to argue. Hottest team in the NHL. Very fast. They've got uh, 15 out of a possible 16 points. Yeah, I mean, that first line is vicious. Whew. And then you picked really up... Really top to bottom. Yeah, I mean, you picked up Kadri in the offseason yeah. from Toronto. Um, you know, If he you, does not get suspended. Yeah, I mean... He's got to worry about. Goodness gracious, is Makar good for being such a young kid, too, on defense? You're getting solid goaltending. I mean, I watched their game in Washington the other night, and that's coming off the Stars playing the Capitals. And I'm like, wow, this looks completely different than the Stars playing the Washington Capitals. I mean, they manhandled Washington in Washington. So we're going to see them twice in the next couple of weeks. So uh, I'm excited to see them. They are legit. Kudos to Joe Sackick and that team for building quite the team. Number two here from the NBC Sports, the Carolina Hurricanes. Yeah, so that's a fascinating story. And uh, kudos to local DFW uh, uh, resident, Mr. Dundon, who owns that squad. Yep. Because since his ownership, that team has played extremely well. Um, they got some players that we don't see that often in uh, Ajo, who's a terrific goal scorer. They've been getting really, really good goaltending from Morazic. Um, uh, they're a very, very good team. Can they sustain it? Well, last year they showed they could. Their problem is the Metro division is probably with the Central division, in my opinion, as the toughest divisions in hockey. Did you uh, also have them at number two on uh, the Hockey Hawk? Uh, Hockey Hawk did not. Hockey Hawk actually had the Washington Capitals. I'm glad you brought them up because they're number three, (laughs) according to the NBC Sports people. So I went on my rankings as far as, you know, I'm trying to do it based on early season records because this is going to change a lot. Right. Not So I don't want someone saying it's like, like, you know, I'll give it away. I have the Edmonton Oilers and it's like, oh, you had the Edmonton Oilers. One of the top five teams in the NHL. Well, playing right now, I do. Right. But so you have them at two. No, I have the Washington Capitals oh, yeah, based sorry. on their firepower. I love their veteran presence. Alex Ovechkin, you know, I mean, sure. what more can you say? Yeah, I like uh, Holpe as a goaltender. I think they have really, really good backup goaltending as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just love the depth. TJ Oshie doesn't get the credit he deserves. So I'm a big Caps guy, uh, and they've been there before, and I think they're going to be atop of the Metro, uh, you know, for the majority of the season. So you had at three, you had the Edmonton Oilers. I did not have the Edmonton oh, Oilers at number three. Gosh. <laughs> I had the Boston Bruins. Okay. Um, the Boston Bruins, to me, have started out with consistency. They lost some people in the offseason, uh, specifically on their third and fourth lines. But once again, that minor league system is just producing guys. I think they have, as I just mentioned, one of the best goaltending tandems, minus you know Bishop and Hudobin in uh, Halak and Tuka Rask. Um, so if one struggles, they can certainly put the other in. I love that Pasternak, Marchant yeah. um, you know, line. It's with Bergeron, who I think, to me, with Kopitar, is among the best two-way senators, center, uh, centers in the game. Uh, so I just think they're, they have depth. Uh, so it, it's just one of those, uh, their draft 
their drafting by uh, Don Sweeney has been the general manager has been tremendous. Cam Neely is the team president. Uh-huh. So there's good leadership at the top. Uh, Bruce Cassidy, they just signed him to an extension. So I think the Boston Bruins are going to be contenders this year. All right. So NBC Sports at number four has the Vegas Golden Knights. I love, love the Vegas Golden Knights. I love their style. It's rough and tumble. Um, I, I just, you know, they have depth. They have scoring. A guy like Cody Eakin is doing so well there, which burns yeah, me. I know. I, know it was a, I know it was a salary cap casualty. Yeah. But the Cody Eakin in that system is different than the Cody Eakin we saw. Yeah, 100%. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, dang, where do we, why can't we have, have yeah, had this version of you? Yeah, absolutely. So um, they have scoring. They have the goaltender. I mean, Flurry doesn't seem to age. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I think they're really good. That said, did not have them oh. as my fourth team. Who'd you have it for? Buffalo Sabres. Okay. They okay. deserve credit. That is a great hockey town in Buffalo. It really is. And they have waited patiently, very patiently. Forever. Forever. One of the hottest teams in the NHL right now is the Buffalo Sabres. And you look, Skinner has panned out. That contract looks very good right now. Yeah. You know, and then yeah. and then you look at Jack Eichel. If Jack Eichel was playing for the New York Rangers, we'd be talking about Jack Eichel a lot more. I His agree. presence on the ice. Finally, they have some good goaltending in Carter Hutton. Yes. So, I mean, they have the pieces. Their defenders are young. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, they're they're a good young team. The sustainability of Buffalo in that division, I'm not sure. But as of right now, they're in my top five. They deserve it. All right. At five, the NBC Sports Full Cab, the Boston Bruins, who yep. we just talked with. Who yeah. do you have, or who we just talked about, who do you have at number five? Congratulations, Dave Tippett. You made my top five oh, as the head coach of the Edmonton Oilers. Watching Edmonton in the one time I don't guess that you had Edmonton there. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, this is not based on a whole season and who I think is going to end up at the end of the year. It's who's playing the best hockey right now. Sure. So these things will change. But the Edmonton Oilers made some key acquisitions. One, Dave Tippett. What I like about Dave Tippett is his calming influence. If you look at the places he's been here with the Dallas Stars, they were always consistent. Then he goes to the Arizona Coyotes, which at the time was one of the worst situations. You know, had to keep the payroll low. And they were a competitive team. They were a defensive-minded team because he couldn't go out and get that scorer. So then he goes and consults Seattle and everyone thought that he was going to be the new coach of the franchise and he was just there to help. But heard great things about Dave Tippett in the Seattle system, just organizing the minor leagues. And then he becomes the head coach uh, under Ken Holland, the new GM in Edmonton. And their consistency, they're finally playing better defensive hockey. And they finally, we were talking about this last night at the Stars game. Mike Smith might be the best Edmonton goalie since... Grant Fuhrer or Bill Ranford? Ooh. And that's going back a long way. And Tippett, you know, very familiar with Mike Smith from the Arizona days. Yeah, absolutely. Terrific acquisition uh, with James Neal, getting him for Milan Lucic. Um, Obviously, Calgary wanted to dump the contract, it seemed, and they didn't expect this James Neal. Real deal, James yeah. Neal is back. Real deal. I mean, you and I talked. We wanted James Neal. We thought he'd be a nice piece for this Stars team coming down the wing because consistently he scored over 20 goals. 
Um, he's getting dirty. Another guy that's found a, a regular line is Alex Chason, former Dallas yes. star. You know, and he's been playing pretty good. And then, of course, to me, the best player in the NHL, Connor McDavid. So uh, Chris Russell on defense is playing well. So it's like all these former Dallas stars are playing well for the Edmonton Oilers. But you know what? They're off to a good start, and it's good for the city of Edmonton, a new stadium. They needed this. They needed this bad, so I'm excited they're off to a good start. And then at number six, they have the Pittsburgh Penguins. I mean, consistent, uh, top to bottom. Jim Rutherford does a great job as their GM. Um, you know, they can trade a goalie out of their system every year because they have two more coming. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's the thing. Seriously. So, I mean, it, it starts with Sidney Crosby. Um, the one great thing I heard, there was a player traded to Pittsburgh and um, he was nervous going into the room. And, you know, he said that and uh-huh. it was Derek Brassard. And Brassard was an NHL veteran and got traded from Ottawa. Yeah. And he said that was one of his most nerve-wracking situations in the NHL. Not his first game, but walking into that Pittsburgh locker room. And I also heard a story of rookies that they don't get hazed. Nothing happens. When you enter the Penguins' room, Sidney Crosby makes sure you're as much a part of the team as anybody else. He and, is a great guy. Yeah, I, I've heard... And, and think about uh, when Trevor Daly was uh, with uh, the Penguins and they won the cup. Yeah. And that was when he was going through some stuff with his mom at the time. I think she was either really, really sick or had just passed away. Trevor Daly couldn't play because at the time he he was nursing an injured foot. And he, you know, I think he blocked a shot and it broke his foot or something like that. And Sidney Crosby, when they won the cup, made sure that, I believe Trevor Daly was the first person after yeah. Sidney Crosby to hoist the cup. He was, yeah. And that was just, I remember we had Trevor Daly on at, right after that happening, and you know him just going on and on about Sidney Crosby and how much it meant to him that Sid took the time and, and like and, and, and recognized him first on that entire squad of, you know, the, coming right off of a winning the Stanley Cup. Just really, I have the utmost respect for Sidney Crosby. Yeah, yeah, I do as well. I think as far as the Pittsburgh Penguins go, it's as far as Chris Letang can stay healthy. Yes. Uh, a healthy Letang is a big-time playmaker on that point. So. And I believe that Cup team did not feature a healthy Latang. Yeah, I believe they correct. won that cup without yeah. him. So. Yeah, and we talk about the room. I mean, look at the difference in Jamie Alexiak coming back Yeah, and how good he's been. Uh, at number seven, they have the Anaheim Ducks, who the Stars will face uh, here shortly. This is a little surprise uh, for me. I think Anaheim's off to a really, really good start, and I'm surprised by that. Uh, new head coach Dallas Eakins, um, and they've adjusted. Yeah. And, you know, they have some wily veterans on that team, um, but I am surprised that Anaheim has got off to that quick start. So, uh, kudos. They. I was not expecting them uh, to be among the league leaders at this point. And then next... They have, at number eight, the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah. So I had the Arizona uh, Coyotes um, vying for the wild card spot. Mm-hmm. I think they added much-needed scoring with Phil Kessel. Um, you know, he's reunited with his coach in Pittsburgh. So um, I think they have some real nice parts, um, and that's good. I think there's also something to be said for stability and ownership. When you know you're going to the rink every day and now you have an owner that backs you yeah. um, and is not going to necessarily move the team tomorrow, right. Right. I think that gives the fan base a lift. I think it puts people in the seats, and I think it's good that Arizona's off to a good start. It, it's not a bad hockey market. 
Uh-huh. Um, that's something maybe we could talk about in another. You look at some of these cities, the Florida Panthers, the Ottawa Senators, and the Arizona Coyotes. Those are the three teams we talk about moving. What do all three cities also have in common? They're nowhere near major metropolitan cities. Yeah. So, for instance, if I live in Scottsdale or Phoenix, it will take me about 45 minutes to get down to Glendale to watch a game. Yeah. Do I really want to do that and fight traffic on a Tuesday night? Probably, Probably not. not. Yeah. Same thing with Florida. It's about 25, 30 minutes away from Fort Lauderdale. Not Miami, Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Miami's lower. And Ottawa's outside the city of Ottawa. Well, so. Miami doesn't even really care about their sports. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Anyways, they unless they get LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh. <laughs> um, number nine, they have the Buffalo Sabres here. Yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, and probably rightfully so. Can Buffalo sustain? Can they stay in my top five? And it's good to see them in NBC's uh, top ten. And then number ten, the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah, I mean, so. it's just... It's, it's really cool to see these teams. I think it's great for the league that Carolina, Edmonton, I mean, I know for ratings-wise, they want to see the New York Rangers, right. the Chicago Blackhawks. But, I mean, I'm looking at the revival of several cities as far as hockey is alive and well and in, in Arizona, in, in Buffalo, in Edmonton. I think it's terrific for the league that they're off to hot starts. Yeah, well, there we go. That's the uh, top ten, courtesy of NBC Sports. And we also got... The Hockey Hawk Top 5 yeah. NHL Power Rankings. Uh, before we uh, end this episode, is there anything else that you would like to get off of your hockey chest? Stars fans need to realize we're about to play the Central Division, and that's key. Yeah. Winning the Central, you got a great chance of making the playoffs. It's hard to believe, but all these games gone by, you still haven't faced a Central Division opponent. So, wow, yeah. Yeah, now now think about that. Yeah, now you get Minnesota and then you get Colorado and then you get Winnipeg. So, um, you know, several of those teams are playing really good hockey right now. Minnesota is not playing good hockey, so that's a very winnable game, but you're about to see the Stars take on the West, which is kind of rare to have all these games go by and not face your any division yeah. foes. And you're going to start to see a little bit more chippiness when you play those guys. Well, the next time we will record There'll be a Ducks game and a Penguins game and maybe a Wild game in the books if we want to wait for that first uh, division opponent to record the next podcast. It's something that we can discuss in the meantime, but I uh, really enjoyed talking uh, hockey with you once again, yeah, here, Mr. I, Mr. Spittle. It was great, and just another plug, once again, this Saturday mm-hmm. uh, from oh, noon yeah. to four is Faniversary. And the reason I'm bringing up Faniversary on a hockey podcast is because I think we have two of the great talkers of yes. our game Two of the great storytellers in Ed Belfour, who is in the NHL Hall of Fame. Do you know Ed Belfour is one of only two players to win a NCAA championship, a Olympic gold medal, and a Stanley Cup? Wow. The other one played for the Dallas Stars, Neil Broughton. Oh, okay. Yeah, that 1980 wow. U.S. Olympic team. Well, uh, so we can ask we can ask Ed Belfour some questions, and then Craig Ludwig. You want to talk about stories, and you know Craig Ludwig does not get enough credit because he's such a nice guy, and he's just Luds. Right. Well, that's a two-time right. Stanley Cup champion. Yeah. And that's a guy who knows his hockey. But it's funny too because he will take little jabs at himself, talking about how he wasn't yeah. the best skater and this and that, and how. Yeah. You know, you know him trying to keep up in this current NHL. 
Uh, it's going to be a really, really good time out there at Texas Live. Yeah, so that's 12 to 4. It's completely free. Please come out, you know, meet those guys, autograph pictures, you know, and I love it because we get to say hi to that 99, two members of the big time members of that 99 Stanley Cup team yeah. and say thank you for bringing the Stanley Cup here to Dallas-Fort Worth. All right. Well, for uh, Gavin Spittle, you can follow him on Twitter at GJ Spittle. Lots of great tweets and lots of great hockey content you can find there. I'm Shippy from the Ben and Skin Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Shippy Fun Sports. Been a lot of fun once again here on the Sweaters Forever podcast. Stick tap to you, my friends. All right. Until uh, next week, we'll see you at uh, Faniversary on Saturday, and uh, I'll sign your baby. <laughs>